Well, you may be seated. Welcome to our World Changes Church Houston Wednesday night Bible study. We're so glad that you guys made it out. The, the faithful, faithful, faithful ones on a hot Houston Wednesday night. Amen. Didn't let the traffic keep you away. Didn't let anything keep you away. Uh, there's something to be said about folks who just uh, literally pressed their way in uh, for the word. Amen. We also like to uh, thank those who are joining us online on tonight. Uh, we appreciate you. We're so glad we have this online tool, uh, amen, to be able to share the gospel of grace along with the mission of uh, Envision of Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy. I love something that Pastor was saying on Sunday that, you know, this is um, something we're called to do as the World Changers Nation, amen, uh, which is to share this gospel of grace all around the world. And uh, I love the fact that he said, man, and I'm not the only one that's doing it. We're raising up folks all over, around the world to do just this. Amen? How many of you guys know uh, that vision that we're a part of is a huge vision? Amen? And some people say, well, I don't know if this is needed. Well, you know what? I know one place it's needed for sure is right here in Houston, Texas. I was just talking to some family members about uh, the gospel of grace and, and, and the need for it and the reason why this church exists. Um, and they were sharing with me about a uh, pastor friend who had got, you know, a uh, well, minister friend, rather, uh, who had got, uh, fell into adultery, and he and his wife were struggling, not because the wife was on him, it was because he was in such guilt and condemnation that he couldn't forgive himself. She had forgiven him, but he was beating himself up so bad that in the process he was starting to make her feel bad because she wasn't going through the same type of emotions that he thought she should be going through. Now, if, if there's somebody who needs to understand the grace of God and his forgiveness and love, it's that guy right there. And this guy's a minister. He's a pastor. He's responsible for ministering to other people. But because he's in such uh, condemnation, and what does it say in Romans 8, 1? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But he thinks I'm letting myself off the hook if I forgive myself for what I did. But if he understood God's love, if he understood God's grace, if he understood how God has supernaturally moved on his wife, to where she could forgive him, and that if he could go ahead and forgive himself, the peace that would be in that household, the peace that would be in his life. But because he's, he's been taught the law like most of us have, and he's still living by it, he still thinks there's something I got, there's, there must be something else I got to do to pay for what I've done. Not realizing that Jesus went on that cross to pay for that sin of adultery before it even happened. But see, that's hard for the body of Christ, uh, the religious lawful body of Christ to receive because they, they hear what I'm saying and then they say, oh, that means I could just go and commit adultery. That is nowhere near what I just said. And we're going to look at some things tonight that go right in line with this about receiving the peace of Jesus. This is part two of a, a, a little series we're doing about how to govern ourselves if we find ourselves in these same exact type of situations. Now, maybe for you it's not adultery or something like that, but it could be some other sin that's happening or has happened in your life that you're not able to forgive yourself and you're not able to receive the peace of Jesus and instead something on the inside of you is saying there's something I got to do. I'm submitting to you tonight that your job, I'm going to say this at the beginning of the message so it'll help you throughout the message, your job as the, as the believer is to believe. Let me just ask you that. How many believers do I have in the house? Now, if you're a believer, then what should you be, what should you be doing? Believe. 
Now, if we were to be doers, we would be calling ourselves, I'm a doer. Somehow we took the word Christian and made it synonymous with, I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time to work when it comes to being Christians. But we briefly looked at this on our, on our Father's Day message. The time for me to work is after I believed in what Jesus has done, and now i got to go and minister out to others. Works for the Christian is not so I can maintain my salvation. But that's what we've been taught all this time. And I'm going to show you some things on tonight in the Word of God that makes it very clear on how to receive the peace of Jesus, what even is the peace of Jesus, and then how that's going to affect your life in a, in a positive way. Amen? So are you ready? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John uh, chapter 16. We're going to start with verse 33. And this is Bible study, so we're going to do what? Study the Bible. Amen. Uh, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have what? Peace. That you might have peace. In the world, this is the King James Version, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Amplified says it this way, I have told you these things so that in me, somebody say in me. Now who is this talking? It's Jesus talking. I have told you these things so that in me, in Jesus, in me, Christ, you may have perfect peace. Now it's interesting, it says perfect peace and confidence. I'm submitting to you one thing on tonight. This word peace here, it's, uh, it's spelled like Irene, but I think you say Irene. You roll the R, I can't do that. Uh, Irene is how it's actually said in, in the Greek. But it looks like Irene. And that word peace, uh, if, you, if you've studied your Bible and studied the word and looked at a concordance, you know that there's multiple types of definitions for a word. And we're so often, we look at this word and says, oh yeah, that means harmony. But it means something way more than that. There's a few different definitions for the word peace or irene, and it's like tranquil state, uh, it's harmony, it's peace between men, you know, like your brother, you know, and your sister, you're, you're, not, at, you're not at odds with each other. Another definition is talking about not being at war or national peace, and all of that means that word, but when you study the word and you look at a concordance, they have this little section where you can click on it, and then it'll tell you in your Bible apps what version of the word applies to that scripture. And then it'll tell you what other scriptures also have that same meaning of that same word. And this word right here, peace, in John 16, 33, is the same word peace that's mentioned in John 14, 27, when Jesus says, my peace I give unto you, my peace I leave to you. And this particular definition of peace, again, is not harmony with man. It doesn't mean having no issues in everyday life. It doesn't mean tranquility or security and safety. It encompasses those things. And all of those versions are a version of the word peace. But this version means something so much more than that. Somebody says, what is it? I'm going to tell you in a second. Hold on. <laughs> because all those things are very important. But that's not what this version is talking about right here. Uh, I want to look at this in one more translation real quick. Go with me to the uh, New Living Translation. The NLT. It says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have how many tribes? 
How many? And how many sorrows? Wait, I thought he just said I was going to have peace. See, this alone already tells you right now what Jesus is not telling the disciples. He's not saying you're not going to have rough moments. See, we freak out because we have a rough moment. Oh, my God, I thought I'd, I'd speak peace to this in Jesus' name. No, 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 understand, understand, understand. <laughs> he said even I had some things I had to go through. See, we automatically think peace means the lack of any tribulation, the lack of any trouble. That's not what it says in James. As a matter of fact, it says count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptation or different trials and different situations, knowing this that the trying of your faith works patient. So here is another scripture saying stuff may happen. They may talk about you on the job. They may say they're going to fire you. They might even fire you. There, there may be things that happen, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I got the peace of Jesus. Somebody says, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I still don't know what that means. Okay, let's look at it. Romans 5.1. Now, again, when you study this word out, you're going to find John 16.33, and then when you look at that word peace, these are some of the other scriptures that have the same definition of that word peace. If you go and look up uh, uh, Irene and you look up uh, tranquility, there's a bunch of other scriptures that don't mean the same version of peace as this. Does that make sense? Okay, so Romans 5.1, same type of peace. Therefore, since we have been made, what? Right in God's eyes. By what? I've been made right in God's eyes by faith. We have what? So when do, why do I have peace? Because I was made right in God's eyes. By faith, I have this. So I have peace with God. Now why? Why? How did I get this? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So this peace, whatever this peace is, I only have it not because of my works, but because of what Jesus has done. And this peace that I have also means I've been made right with God. So this peace all of a sudden is not about between me and man. This peace is not about between a nation and nation. This peace is about me and God. The relationship that this particular peace is talking about is not man to man, not nation to nation, not even me internally in my internal peace. You see what I'm saying? This is between, this is a peace that has been made between God and man. All those other pieces are real pieces. Man to man, internal peace, uh, harmony, uh, harmony between nations. But that, none of those are what this is talking about. This is talking about I've been made right with God. There was no peace and now there is. Why? Because of what Christ has done for me. What type of peace is this? This is a peace that says you are good to go with God. Tribulations may happen. Trials may happen, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world, and those things can't touch you anymore. How come? Because you got my peace. That's what Jesus was saying in verse 33 in John 16. Let's keep reading. Let's just compound on this. 
uh, go to Colossians 3.15. Let me go stand in the, uh, stand in the NFC. Yeah. And let the, what's that word? Peace. Same type of peace now. What's this type of peace? I've been made right with who? Okay, so, and let the fact that I've been made right with God. Let that fact, let that peace, that comes from who? Christ, so it's lining up like the other scripture. Let that peace rule in your hearts. Now pause. Is it talking about my heart that pumps blood? No, it's, it's clearly talking about my soul. And what is a man's soul? Man is spirit, soul, and body, right? We have a spirit, that's the real us. We live in a body and we possess a soul. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. That's what I think and I choose and I decide from. I feel from that, okay? The mind, we, we often say, is the seed of a man's life. You know, we go wherever our mind ultimately tells us to, okay? So it's saying, and let that peace, let this fact, let this, I'm getting ahead of myself, but assurance that comes from Christ, the fact that I'm good with God, let that be what rules in your mind. Why? Because if I know I'm good with God, I won't sit here and beat myself up about trying to be perfect about sin. I won't sit up here and waste a bunch of time trying to earn my way into heaven and Jesus has already secured that. I won't wake up every morning saying, man, I really feel bad for what I did 10 years ago because here's the devil reminding me of that thing. And even though it's done, it's under the blood, it's forgiven, I won't sit up there and let that hold me back when the Holy Spirit is trying to convince me, you're good, now go out there and change the world. He's saying, let this peace, let this fact that you're right with God rule in your mind or your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Are you seeing this so far? All right, let's go to Philippians 4, 7. It's a very familiar scripture, but oddly enough, it's the same version of that word peace. That word, that version of the word peace, again, it's not, it, it wasn't meaning just harmony. It wasn't meaning just tranquil state. It wasn't meaning, uh, what was the other one I said? Uh, nations being cool with nations. It's specifically talking about you're right with God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Now, why is it saying that? Well, because I don't understand how I can be right with God with all the crap that I've done. I don't understand. Why would Jesus do this for me? Why would God do this for me? Why would, they, why would he make me right with him? Because he loves you and he loves you unconditionally. As men, we have a hard time with unconditional love because most of our love has conditions on it. Amen? But how could God, now, now you may say, Archie, I, I, I've done some bad things, but I've never, I've never done that. And what's hard for people to understand is God also loves and has available peace for the guy and the gal who did that. See, that goes beyond what people can understand. You know the murderer. You know the, 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 the uh, well, you just fill in the blanks. All of that. We, 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 we like in the church, we like to act like his love is for everybody but them. 
We, act, we like to act like their sin is a little worse than mine. And so we can't understand, how do you, did you see the pictures? Did you see what happened? Lord? Did you see how that affected those families? How can you love them too? But it's, it's, it's a peace which exceeds anything we can understand. And it's so interesting when you start rightly dividing the word of truth and actually looking at the word for what it means, this is all still talking about your right with God. It exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, this fact, this assurance, this is what guards your hearts and minds. This is what reminds you you're good enough, not because of anything you've done, but, what, but what, uh, because of what Christ has done. This is what assures you. This is why you get up every morning and say, I am the righteousness of God. I, I, I walk by faith and not by sight. I am worthy of God's love, not because of how good I am, but because of how good Jesus did. This is why when people try to bring, bring up your past, you say, I don't know that guy. I don't know that girl because I am now the righteousness of God. I've had a name change, like Saul now being Paul. I am not who I used to be. That's the old man. I am the righteousness of God, and I am at peace. And it literally is what's on the job guarding your heart. And the only thing to take peace off the job is unbelief. And you're in control of the guard. I said you're in control of the guard. Peace has been provided. It's up to you to leave peace on the job. It says peace guards your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, that's not a condition. See, that's what people have taken the word and twisted. So as you do right, you will have peace. That is not what that says. It's saying as you have peace on the job, it'll be there to guard your heart and mind as you continue to go out and live in Christ. As you do what he's called you to do and everything like that, peace is going to be on guard. But it's not a condition. If you don't go do what he says, it's not like, oh, now you don't qualify for peace no more. That's not what that says. It literally is saying, you got peace. Peace is on the job. Now, continue to go and live and do what God has called you to do. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be really hard, and people in the church have a really hard time trying to walk out the call of God in their life or, do, or be obedient to what God tells them to do when they have no peace, when they have no assurance that they're right with God. Think about it. When you mess up at work, you don't even want to see the boss. Don't you? You hide in your cubicle, you, you know, you, you avoid them, whatever like that. Why? Because you know you messed up. But thank God it's not that way with him. When we're assured of our peace that came from Jesus, we don't go running from the Father, we go running to him. Because we know that he's not mad at us. We know that he's not even in a bad mood with us. Why? Because Christ Jesus has paid the penalty and the price for every wrong that you could ever do. And that's why we have to start receiving the peace of God. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. Let's keep going. All right, so now, let's look at the scripture, John 14, 25, and we're going to go all the way up to verse 27, and we're going to look at this in the NLT, the message, and then the ERV. John 14, 25, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to the disciples, and what's happening is it's, um, it's kind of his, one of his final conversations with them, and he's kind of setting them up to be without him. So he said, I'm telling you these things 
now while I'm still with you. Verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate. Now who's the advocate? Okay. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Verse 27. I am leaving you with a what? Now, do you earn gifts? The gift being given is simply because the giver is good. It has nothing to do with your performance, nothing to do with your behavior. They're just giving it to you because they love you and they're good. He said, I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. That word peace is the same peace as those other translations we've been looking at. I'm leaving you the righteousness of God because I'm good and it's a gift that I'm giving you. I, and then he says, in one version it says, my peace I'm leaving with you. My rightness, my right to a relationship with God I'm giving to you. You are not going to be able to earn it and if you can't earn it, you're not going to be able to unearn it. It's there whether you use it or not. It's there whether you believe in it or not. Wait a minute, Archie. I think you just said something. I think I did too. What, what you got to realize is that joker that's out on the street, that's, that's cracking it up and sexing it up and whatever else in it up and just is denying God left and right, he has the peace of Jesus available to him too. He's just choosing not to use it. God God loved him so much that he sent Jesus for him too. And it's like $10 million just sitting there waiting to be used and they're just saying, I don't want it. I don't believe it's there. And you spending yours and you're like, bro, come get yours. And they're like, uh-uh, I don't believe in that. Because show me where it said it was only for certain people. That's not what it said. This is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever. Who is whosoever? That's everybody so ever. Yeah, that's all of us. He says, so he says, uh, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. And then he tells us. I mean, it's like when you decode this, it makes perfect sense. So don't be troubled or afraid. Of what? Of God. Of punishment from him. When you look up the definition of this word peace, it literally talks about the assurance of our salvation to such a point that we are no longer afraid of the punishment of God as the result of not being forgiven. Because you're forgiven. So there's nothing to be afraid of anymore from God. And when you receive the peace of Jesus, you should lose the fear, the being scared of God. I'm not saying you don't respect them, because somebody people say, are you saying you don't fear God anymore? Understand, again, just like the word peace, that word fear has different definitions. So we're not saying we don't respect God, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this being scared that God's going to zap you because you made a mistake. I cannot have the peace of Jesus operating in my life and being afraid of God at the same time. The two don't go together. If you understand that, say amen. Amen. So. I'm going to say this again because I'm going to say it the way I wrote it down here. Oh, and then we got one more version to look at, or two more versions. The peace of Jesus is the assurance of salvation or being made right with God 
righteousness and therefore fearing no punishment from God. That is the actual definition of the peace of Jesus. It's the assurance of salvation or being made right with God, righteousness, and therefore fearing no punishment from God. A person who can get a hold of that and can then believe in that is a person who now can take on and start better understanding who they are in Christ. It's like the employee who never gets anything wrong at work. They've been promoted. They seem to know all the answers. And even when they mess up, they somehow seem not to get in trouble. Well, guess what? That's you now. Because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's teaching you and telling you all things. You can't flunk the test. And even if you did mess up, guess what? The Holy Spirit is right there. And the blood of Jesus is always on the job. I'm going to show you a scripture in a second that says, listen, don't sin. But if you do, you got the blood of Jesus right there that covers you and takes care of it and washes you. But don't sin. We're not, we're not, well, how do I not sin? You renew your mind. Somebody said to me the other day, they got so upset because I said, we should renew our minds, but you're in a process, so you may make a mistake. They freaked out. Are you saying that God and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is not enough to perfect us? I'm saying, I said, how's that working out for you so far? I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying he ain't done yet. You, you're taking what we're saying and twisting it. How many of y'all in here has not sinned since you got saved? Right, because if you raise your hand, I'll call you a liar. <laughs> you're renewing your mind. You're working things out. You're in a process. That's why the blood of Jesus had to also go into effect because had it not and had you not received the peace of Jesus, your one mistake would send you to hell. What I, but, but I'm going to repent and then I'm going to catch all my sin before I die. Well, I think Jesus kind of summed that up for us too when he told the people about the people committing adultery and all of that and they was like, well, you know, and he said, listen, it's not about just having, getting caught in the act with the woman or whatever like that. He said, even if you think, of it. So that means you're going to have to catch all, the, all those negative thoughts. And the Bible says to know good to do and to not do it is also sin. So anything that you know you're supposed to do, you're supposed to drive 60 and you did 61, you're sin. You knew you weren't supposed to eat that Snickers and you ate it, you're sin. I mean, just really stop and just really, because we got to stop playing church and act like I can do this on my own. I'm going to show you the definition of falling from grace in a moment, and it's going to freak you out how many Christians are probably in the process on a regular basis of falling from grace because they think they can do this on their own. And, and then starting to realize what we've been reading so far is the truth. There was no work for us other than believing. This is all on Christ's back. That's why he took the whipping. That's why he took the dying. That's why he resurrected. He did, it's all on his back, so it didn't have to be on yours because your back ain't strong enough. And the sooner we can receive this, we can then be at peace. Amen? Uh, let's look at the message uh, in the same scripture, 25 through 27. It says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. 
Now that's how you're living right now. You have the friend on the inside of you. So, so that's why when you hear the truth of the word, revelation happens. It's not because we're doing some amazing job of explaining it to you. It's because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is ministering to you while we're talking and showing you the word. And you're like, oh, I get it now. But you got to have a preacher who's going to preach the word. Because guess what? When you go to, uh, I think it's Romans 10, 17, and it talks about us having peace. Guess what version of peace is talking about? The same one. And it says, but how can they hear if they don't have a preacher? Said the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, he'll make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. Did you know that's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now? He's constantly reminding you. His job is not to tell you how much you suck and how much you sin. His job is to remind you of the truth that you have the peace of Jesus. He's reminding you that Satan's the one that's actually in trouble, not you. He's reminding you of the righteousness of God. And he's reminding you to make sure you stay believing in what the truth is. That's his job. He reminds you of all these things. I'm leaving you well and how? Whole. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. You have a complete relationship reconnected with God when I go. That's what Jesus said. Now you got to get this timing right. Because that's the thing is people look at the Bible and they say, oh, so they had that right then? That's not what he said. He said, when I go. It was the death of Jesus that brought about your righteousness with God. I'm leaving you well. And I'm leaving you whole. That's my parting gift to you. Is that in the Bible? That's what he's saying. Then what does it say right after that? Peace. Again, not harmony. Just not, that's, that's part of the definition in this case. He said, you're right with God. You can be assured of that, and you don't need to be afraid of punishment any longer. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned. Next verse. Bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Fear, being upset, anxiety, all of that, that's, that's a sign that you're not believing in the peace of Jesus. Because if you knew and understood the peace of Jesus, you would say, I'm good. But you don't understand how bad you did and how, how that's going to affect people. I, I, I know I messed up, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to renew my mind. I'm in the Word. Uh, I've had a repentant heart in that sense. I, I can't carry the burden of what could happen. i got to turn that over to God, I have to do what Peter said, cast my cares upon him. Why? Because he cares so much for me that he gave me peace. God's going to take care of all of that. Did you know, thank you, Holy Spirit, did you know that God loves you so much that he not only gave you his peace, but he's in the business of cleaning up your mess? To show me where in the Bible it says you had to clean up your mess. So who cleaning it up? Because some of the stuff we do has a mess. That's God. I'm, I'm telling y'all when I say, now he may give you instructions, go apologize, go do this and go do that. But he's the one that does the changing of hearts on your behalf. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I've had that happen where I've messed something up and I've had to go and apologize and supernaturally that relationship was restored. Come on, somebody got to know what I'm talking about. 
It wasn't your wonderful apology that did it. That was the power of God that moved in that situation. He cleans up your mess. That's how much he got you. So he says, don't be distraught. Because sometimes we don't want to go, Father. Lord, I don't, but you understand all that. Don't be distraught. Don't be upset. Trust in my peace. Next, uh, next part for this. He says, you've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm on my way to the Father because the Father is the goal and purpose of my life. It's back to what we saw in Exodus when God was saying, listen, I want the Egyptians, the entire country to know me. So y'all going to go and we're going to split this water and y'all going to go through this little situation because I got y'all. But I need them who don't have me to know me. Jesus is saying the same thing. My goal is for you to know the Father. He, I already know the Father. But my goal is for you to have a relationship once again with the Father. I'm leaving this gift to you of a right relationship again with God. It's a gift. You can't earn it, but it's yours. If you understand that, say amen. In last version, let's look at the easy to read version. Somebody say, you sure it's taking a lot of time on this? Yeah, man, I want you to get this, amen. Uh, easy to read version. Uh, start at verse 25, yeah. I have told you all these things while I am with you. But the helper will teach you everything and cause you to remember all that I have told you. This helper is the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name. 27. I leave you peace. It is my own peace I give you. It's my own righteousness. It's my own relationship with the Father I leave you. I give you peace in a different way than the world does. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Why did Jesus have to leave us his peace? Why did he have to leave us his righteousness and his relationship with God? Why do you think that? Why couldn't we just get our own? We, we needed more than we had. Our suck. Those are the answers I'm hearing so far. What else? We aren't able on our own because of our sinful nature. We aren't worthy. According to the old covenant, we couldn't ever fulfill that. We would never measure up to have a relationship with him. There was only one man who came to earth who did it all right. He passed the test and said, I'm giving you my A. That's literally what happened. We flunked. And the curve was Jesus. He said, all y'all get to ride off of my A. So I'm going to give you my A, and as a result, we all passed the class. That's literally what happened. You can't earn it because you don't even know all the answers. Well, I, I got a 60. That's not an A. That's what the rich young ruler did. I got a 75. Nope, that's still not enough. But I did everything but that one. That's not enough. You had to fulfill the law perfectly in order to be righteous. And only Jesus did that. And he said, I am transferring my grave to you all. And it's available for the whole world. Now all you got to do is believe it and receive it. And it's that simple. And, and again, that's what the whole Bible talks about. We just own three more scriptures. And the whole Bible proves this over and over and over again 
if you take time to rightly divide the word. Amen? He says, so don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You're not going to flunk the class. Verse 28. You've heard me say to you, I'm leaving you, but I will come back to you. If you love me, you would be happy that I'm going back to the Father because the Father is greater than I am. So the peace of Jesus, again, is the assurance of salvation or being made right with God. Righteousness and therefore fearing no punishment from God. Now let's look at a closer version. Uh, let's look at some, uh, another scripture to look closer at why do we even need the peace of Jesus and what this peace provides. Go to uh, Romans chapter 5. Uh, we'll start with verse 12 and we'll look at this in the New Living Translation. Romans 5, 12. It's so funny when your eyes are open to the truth in the word, all of a sudden every scripture in the Bible just starts looking totally different. Especially in the New Testament, especially Romans. If you spend time in Romans, Colossians, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, those, uh, those books where it talks a lot about grace and about what we're talking about tonight, and Hebrews as well, you really just start seeing like, whoa, this, this thing is not about me. It's totally about appreciating what Jesus did, letting that have effect in my life so that I can now go out and walk in the gifts of the Spirit to, to minister God's love to people. Romans 5.12. We're going to go all the way up to uh, 21, so uh, just hang out with me here. It says, when Adam sinned, what happened? Now, for educational sake, which Adam are we talking about? First Adam, amen? So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Okay, there was no sin. When Adam did, sin entered the world. Now, interesting enough, it didn't say when Adam and Eve sinned. How come? How come you think it did because it wasn't her fault. <laughs> so we keep blaming a woman for all that. Who did God say not to eat it? He told Adam that. He told Adam, and that's why the enemy came, I believe, at the woman. Because I think had he come right at Adam, Adam might have just been like, no, nah, I ain't gonna do that. Adam's issue, I don't believe, was the fruit. Adam's Achilles, for lack of a better word, was the woman. I love, I love that woman more than I love God. Now, that's just my take on it. But he came at her, and notice God didn't shut things down when he ate, when she ate the fruit. It wasn't until after he did that then God showed up and was like, hey, where y'all at? Or actually, he said, Adam, where art thou? So this whole conversation, it was all with Adam. And after Adam blamed the woman, then he turned his attention briefly to Eve, or at that time she was still called the woman. Uh, and then he came back to Adam. So just, you know, this is a scripture that kind of backs that up. But anyway, when Adam sinned, <laughs> sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought what? Death. So death spread to who? Now, what, just con we're contrasting this real quick. Death spread to everyone, and we just got finished talking about God. Jesus' peace is available to who? Okay, so just making sure you see the contrast between these two. So death spread to everyone through what Adam did. For everyone is literally a sinner when they're born. You're born into sin. Not because you did something wrong. It's, I don't know other way to say it other than it's in the blood. It's an effect of what Adam did, and it carries to everybody. Because otherwise, how is this saying everyone sin and it spread to everyone? At what, when? When does it spread to everyone? 
when you do your first wrong? No. You're a sinner because you're born on earth. It's the seed of man. It's the seed of Adam. That's why Jesus couldn't be born of the seed of a man. Because had he been born of the seed of man, that seed would have carried the sin. So that's why it can only be God who got Mary pregnant because God found a way around the sin problem. He said, I'm going to put, and I know it sounds weird, my seed with the woman, and as a result, this baby will be born skipping over the sin issue that Adam caused. But every other human being who's born in this world is born as a sinner. Do you understand that? And so then Jesus' job when he, after he was born was to then stay right. And only he could do that because even though he was tempted in every way we were, he wasn't quite the same as the rest of us. If you understand that, say amen. Because he didn't have the seed of man in him. So his blood was different than everybody else's blood. And that's why his blood is what we celebrate. That's why his blood was a worthy sacrifice. Because his blood wasn't like your blood. But when you got born again, guess whose blood you got? There was a blood transfusion because you now have the peace on the inside of you. And as the result, now when God looks at you, he don't see your blood. He sees the blood of Jesus on you. That's why you're in Christ. You're not just in him. You're in his blood and his blood is in you. And as a result, you're the righteousness of God. If you understand that, say amen. All right. So death spread to everyone for everyone that sinned. Verse 13. We just on 13. We got to hurry up. We got to go. Uh, yes. People sinned even before the law was given. Now, this is very important. People sinned before the law was given, but what? God didn't count it against them. That's why Abraham and Sarah, when they were lying and laughing at God and all that stuff, it wasn't counted against them because there was no law. That's when, when the Egyptians was, you know, tripping and stuff, when the Red Sea was parted and all that type of stuff, and they were tripping, God didn't just strike them all dead at that moment. There was no law. If you go out here right now and there's no speed limit on Highway 6, and you go 90, can the cops stop you? Because there's no law. When there's no law, there can be no trespass of that law. So he said it was encountered to, to them as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Verse 14, still everyone died. Why? Because they had the seed of man. Was still living. They weren't breaking the law, but you were still going to die. Why? Because you had the seed of sin in you. So it's qualifying what a sinner is at this point. From, time, from the time of Adam to the time of who? Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, as Adam did, now Adam is a, is a, is a symbol a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Verse uh, 15, but Adam failed. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Again, this is contrasting the two together. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater, somebody say greater, because I literally in a conversation with somebody, I said, do you think your sin is greater than the blood of Jesus? She said, yes. I said, you don't know your Bible. She was saying all this stuff, and I said, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. 
His grace trumps your sin. Okay, let me say that a little different. His grace is the king. Your sin is a 10 in a deck of cards. Which is greater? The king. Or better yet, his grace is a king. Your sin is a two of clubs. That ain't wild. <laughs> so which is greater? The king. It, it, the king is greater. His blood is greater. Grace is greater. I know you've been taught differently that your sin trumps what he's done for you, and you can actually lose your salvation somehow magically, but I'm telling you, you can't lose what you didn't earn. And if you give me a few more extra moments, I'm going to show you what it actually means to fall from grace. Because I guarantee you, for some of us, it's not what we thought. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different. The result is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. What's condemnation? Me being condemned, me being uh, punished, me being sentenced for my wrong. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. What is another word that we learned tonight, a word for being made right with God? The peace of Jesus. God's free gift is the peace of Jesus. It leads to me being made right with God. Even though, here's for all the people that says, but, I, but you sin, what about your sin? You got the free gift that leads to your being made right with God even though you're guilty. It didn't say you become not guilty, then you get the righteousness of God. It says he puts on his clean coat of his blood over your dirtiness. That's what that means. You ain't got to go take a shower before you put these clothes on. These righteous clothes are strong enough to actually cleanse you. And then what you do is then you go and allow the word, which we know in Romans 12 too, we've read that where it says God transforms your thinking. So you're not even responsible for renewing your mind. You're responsible for showing up to class and then God does the training and the teaching via the Holy Ghost. But I love it. Even though you're guilty, it didn't say until you're not guilty. It said even though you're guilty, you're made right with God because of what Jesus did. Now some people don't ever want you to see that scripture. Because you'll lose the fear of them. You lose the fear that says, you better show up in that church every single day or you're going to miss it. You better put at least 2,000 in that bucket or you're going to miss it. You better join that department. You better use that gift for God. Now, church attendance is, yeah, mature believers definitely go to church. How you going to hear without the preacher? Mature believers definitely sold. Mature believers definitely serve. But what if I'm still immature? What if I'm still learning? What if I'm still growing? What if I'm hurt? What if whatever? God still loves me too. 
And until I'm healthy and until I'm growing, I need the mature believers to keep doing what they're doing because all I can do is sit in this pew. And I can make it about twice a month. And I'm going to probably catch you about once or twice online. But I'm going through some stuff, and I, I just need y'all to, to pray for me. I'm still smoking weed every day, and I just need, not me, but I just need y'all to pray for me. The preacher said he's smoking weed every day. But that's what some people are going through that, and they feel condemned because they can't get it all right. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. God still loves you. And we're going to just keep loving you, and we're going to keep calling you, and we're going to keep picking you up. We're going to keep showing up. We're going to act like you never left when we see you, and we're just going to encourage you, and we're going to believe that Christ is going to be doing his job, and the Holy Spirit is going to be working it inside of you, and you will become healthy and grow and become mature just like the rest of us, but it's a process. And God is not mad at you because you're in a process. Verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But, even, there's a lot of buts in this area, so you see where it's contrasting the sin. This is this, but, and you want to really pay attention after that. Even greater is God's wonderful gift. It's saying it over and over again. Even greater is God's wonderful gift. What's that gift? Grace. That's why we preach this gospel of grace. I don't need, I want to go to that church and talk about grace. Well, you don't want to go to the church that's talking about the gospel. You don't want to go to the church that's talking about Jesus. Because it's saying what, what this is all about. His wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, for all who receive it, that's the key. What's my job? What's the condition? Receive. It's there, but you got to receive it. Now, notice it didn't say nothing about being perfect, not sinning. It just said, show up to receive it. And receive it. Receive it all who, for all who will receive it. And this is a promise. For all who will receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So now the opposite of that is true as well, though. Salvation is here. The righteousness of God is available for everybody. But if you don't receive it, you will not live in triumph. Not because it's not available. Simply because you were deceived and never received what he made available. You won't live in triumph over sin and death through that one man. And that, and that this is what starts arming us with the compassion for our family members, for our friends, for our coworkers who don't have this in their life. Because they're living a life, and some of them go to church, but they're living a life not realizing I, have any, I, I, I might not be saved. Still got real quiet on that one. Okay, we're going to keep going. Uh, verse uh, 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Hopefully you see that now. But Christ's one act of righteousness, going up on that cross, brings a right relationship with God and new life for 144,000 of us. <laughs> for just black people. The original Israelites. Uh, for just white folk. For just Jewish people. For just Mexicans. For just Hispanic folk. For just Italians. And for everybody. 
Not just for old people, not just for younger people, not just for teens. Not just, it's for everyone. Not just for men, not just for women. When Jesus went up on that cross and the law was then um, obsolete, it was trumped by grace, equality came back. There was no Jew, there was no Greek, there was no Gentile in the sense of being able to have a right relationship with God. It equaled the playing field, and that's why some people in the church structure, including nothing against the Catholic Church and all those other places, but including some of those structures, they won't teach this because all of a sudden it levels the playing field. You got just as much Jesus as I do. Now, I have a calling on my life to preach the word. Your calling may be a little different, but I'm not any more important to God than you are. But we're so used to having a pastor to worship. I don't need you worshiping me. I need you worshiping the king. I need you worshiping him because of what he did. I'm just going to tell you the truth based on how the Holy Spirit ministers to me to do that. Now, yes, I'm going to try to live right before you. I'm going to try to do all these types of things and everything like that. But I don't do it for you. I do it because of my relationship with him. And I'm working on my relationship just like you are. Oh, you better not say that because then they might not come back. No, no, no. I only want a church of people that are real. I don't want worshipers of me and, and Pastor Melissa. Because now we got to live up to the standard and the image that we've created in your eyes. No, I ain't going to do that because we might get in an argument and you might see it. And then now you're going to lead a church because you think we demon-possessed. I'm telling you how the devil tried to set folk up. Did you see how she just snatched that from him? Did you see how he just rolled her eyes? And, and, oh, my gosh. They, they, the devil must be in that house. No, it's the same us is, uh, that's working out our stuff is the same yous that working out your stuff. Amen? And, and we're all equal. Well, I, I can't believe at that church y'all let women preach in the pulpit. And this ain't the old covenant. Women can preach. Preach better than most men. Amen. But that, that old covenant had all these rules and regulations and all these type of things. And this new covenant equalized everything. So that's why racism is stupid. It's just dumb. People get mad because people want to celebrate Juneteenth. Why are you mad? It, 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 it was, it's real. The, the, that's when, you know, uh, slaves, well, it wasn't when slaves were free. It was when the, the proclamation, was the Emancipation Proclamation, when they got to Texas and told the last state, hey, by the way, y'all are free. It's been happening for two years. And everybody's like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Why are you mad at group people who want to celebrate that? I ain't going to share that because, you know, then people might think, why won't you just celebrate folks when they're trying to celebrate? There ain't nothing bad about that. But that same little spirit of racism tries to get in there and make people scared to celebrate other people. That's just stupid. Amen. And the same spirit is just as stupid when people think they're better than somebody. And that goes both ways. Amen. But we don't want to talk about that in church. Because all of a sudden, no, you better talk about that in church so you'll kill all these things that are coming against the thing that says we're all right with God. Don't think that that spirit of racism hasn't been using and perverting the word of God since day one. 
trying to make people think I am more right with him than you could ever be. And this word says the opposite. It says everyone has a new life in him. And so all of a sudden there's a freedom that comes with that truth and that understanding. If you understand that, say amen. Verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Jesus, many will be made righteous. How many of you guys know that's right now? Verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. What? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the law was given so I could actually try to live by it. No, yeah. You were supposed to try to live by it, and then the result was supposed to be, you were supposed to recognize, this is too hard. I got to cut my hair how? But I like bacon. It, that's, it was, it's, it's 613 laws that says, if you do this, you're perfect, but if you mess up in one of them, you've messed up in all of them. And then Jesus came and was like, hey, by the way, it's not about just if you mess up in one of them physically, you mess up in all of them, even if you think about it. Even if you think about bacon. Then you screwed up. How can any of us be saved? That's the point of the law. Yet there are people to this day trying to do it. When there has been a better way made available, and that way is Jesus. The reason for the law was to show people how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules, what's that word? Instead. Instead of what? The law. giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now check this out. I have right standing with God and right standing is, is, is the result of right standing is eternal life. But I have right standing for when I'm on earth. Why? Because the other scriptures, you're not supposed to be walking around worrying that God's going to zap you. So I have to be assured by the, peace, by the peace of Jesus that I'm good. I have to be assured in my mind that even when I get into it with my spouse that, man, I think I shouldn't have did that. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me, teach me, show me, but I am not condemning myself thinking God's mad at me. I'm good. I'm good. That's why, you know, me and I don't know what she wants to say. Me and Melissa begin to arguments and you start talking about, you know, God see you. No, he don't see that. You don't see that, so don't even try to use that. It ain't going to work. He only see the blood. <laughs> and, and, but it's the truth. And, and, and you have to start reminding yourself in every situation that the blood, I'm the righteousness of God. Otherwise, condemnation will creep in and will get you to start trying to fix a problem that doesn't even exist. And now you'll get over the self-effort and you'll begin the process of falling from grace. Um, let's, let's, let's run to this real quick. Uh, so how many guys know we need Jesus? He, he's the only way out of this thing. Uh, go to Romans, um, 
chapter 3, verse 22. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? I hope so, man. We're going to talk about this tomorrow in our South location. I'm going to talk about it again on Sunday because uh, we got to get this down in us. Amen? Uh, Romans 3, verse 22. It says, we are made right with God. How? Read that. Read it right there. By placing our faith in our works. In Jesus Christ. Why? Well, I just told you. Why, why, why is it placing my faith in Jesus Christ instead of in what I can do? He, he's the only one that qualified. He's the only one that had the right relationship with God. He transferred that relationship to, with, to me, and I put my faith in that. Amen? And this is true for who? All right, yeah, you got to read it right. Now, it's not true for everyone. It's true for everyone who believes. Again, what's the condition? Believe it. What's the work? Believe it. No matter who we are. That's good news. But I better make sure I'm believing. Amen? Verse 23. For everyone has sinned. Who is everybody? Okay, everybody just raise your hand. That's me. That's, that's you. That's the pastor, the priest. That's every, everybody has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But thank God for the peace of Jesus. Because he didn't fall short of the standard. Amen? Uh, 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse 1. We're going to stay in the NLT, uh, guys. 1 John uh, 2, verse 1. Let's go ahead and uh, get to where I'm trying to get to here. 1 John 2, 1, we're going to go up to 3. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you what? So for the person that says, are you just saying that we can just sin? No. Amen? Just like the, but I love it because it's just like the old covenant. He was like, do not do none of this stuff. But if you do, <laughs> once every year, I need you to get some animals and I need you to do this so we can clean it. That's how much God loves you. He gives you a way out even when he gives you a command not to do something. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Verse 2. He himself, not you, not your good works, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Verse 3. And we can be sure, there's that assurance, that we know him if we obey his commandments. So it's not saying not to sin. It's not saying don't obey his commandments. It does say, though, as you're on this path, as you're working out the salvation, as you're renewing your mind, as you're, you're being a believer, you slip up, you got an advocate. Because if I didn't have an advocate, now I'm back into fear because I messed up. Now that's messing with my peace. So he's like, no, not, don't let nothing mess with your peace. You're good. Amen? But if you keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning, I got to stop and say, wait, do you really know him? 
See, that's, that's, the, that, that's the balance of this thing. Habitual sinners either aren't renewing their minds or do not know. And this will be a church that if you say we're gonna, you're going to be saved. You're going to be just saying you saved, but then we look and you busting hell wide open. Talking about grace. That, that's not, no. It didn't take. We need to dip you again. We need to fire upon you again. We need something again, and, and you, you're going, you need to sit here and learn. Amen? Because I know it by the fruit that you're bearing, and if the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, what should be being produced from your root of him is love. And that was his command. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. How did he purchase our freedom? With the blood of his son, and then what did he do? Forgave our sins. Your sins are forgiven. But it happened because somebody had to pay the price, and that somebody was Jesus. We didn't get off scot-free, guys. Well, I'm sorry. Man didn't get off scot-free. God paid the price for man. Because somebody said, well, are you saying that there's just no penalty for sin? That is not what I said. There absolutely is a penalty for sin, but Jesus paid it for you. That's why you say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, why, that's why we say thank you. We say thank you because of what he did. That's why it trips me out, freaks me out when people, you know, I spit in the face of Jesus. I don't care what he did. What? what? He's the only thing that qualified you. Without him, you would be dead going to hell. He forgave your sin because of the blood of his son, Jesus. We need Jesus. Amen. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. We'll go to 14. It says, always thanking the Father, he has enabled you, he has enabled you, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us. He rescued you, not ourselves, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. This was Jesus' kingdom and you've been rescued, you've been transferred uh, over into it. Uh, verse uh, 14. His dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins? That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. So don't ever doubt the fact that your sins are already paid for. These scriptures confirm to you, you were bought and paid for, and your sins are good to go. Your, your, let me take that back, that sounds weird. Your sins have been reconciled because of the blood of Jesus. If you understand that, say amen. Y'all know what that word reconcile mean, right? Because, you know, you go buy something from the store, you go to buy a shirt, you got the product, but you owe something for it. And what it was was you have the righteousness of God, but it had to be paid for. And that's what the blood of Jesus did. It paid for your sins, and as a result, you now have righteousness. Amen? Amen. So, as we get ready to close, what does it mean to fall from grace? Because you hear all of this, and then people get nervous, and they get afraid, they get scared. They say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I, I see the scriptures, as you said, but there must be some way to fall from grace. Because I've been taught that if you fall from grace, uh, then as a result, you lose all of this. It's actually simpler, and I wish I could make it all deep and everything like that, but I'm just going to show you what it says, and we'll go from there. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. 
And again, on Thursday and Sunday, we're going to be digging more and more into this. We'll, we'll get more and more into it. But I just got to give it to you, and then we'll go from there. Galatians 5.4. We're going to look at it in the King James first, then the Amplified, then we'll come to the NLT. So let's go to the King James. It says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Actually, let's go back to verse 3. I, I should have better read it then. It says, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Verse 4. Christ is become of no, what does that say? Effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. So let's look at this. Who's fallen from grace? Anyone who is justified by the law. Wait, I thought I fall from grace if I deny the Holy Spirit. I thought I fall from grace if I, I don't know, say I hate God. Well, you're not completely incorrect. It's just incomplete. Let me show you this. So go to the, I think it's the Amplified. Yes, let's look at this in Amplified. It says, if you seek to be justified and declare righteous and to be given a right standing with God. We've been reading about that all night. How do I get right standing with God? Through the blood of, and how do I get that? I have to believe it. That's it. This is saying, if you seek that same righteousness or that same justification with God through the law. What does the law say? The law says when I do good, I get good. So it's, a, it's another way to say this is if you seek to be right with God through your works, through your own doing, and you don't believe in what Jesus did, and you say, that's not enough. I know it says I'm forgiven my sins. I know it says his blood did the job, but I got to repent, and now as a result, I got to live perfect. It says if you do that, you are brought to nothing and so separated, severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, from God's gracious favor and unmerited blessing. It makes sense when you look at it this way. This is the peace of Jesus. And it has given you, it is the righteousness of God. It is giving you the righteousness of God. It's peace of Jesus. It only comes because God graciously loved you. When you believe in this, you're with it. Amen? But over here is law, self-effort, works. I have to be justified and righteous with God by what I do, not in believing in what Christ did. When I start thinking that my works are what justify me, I am moving away or falling away from grace. Grace is there. It's available. I'm moving away from it in my mind, believing that I am now able to be right with God without God. And when a man or a woman begins to fall away from grace, it's a man or woman who's saying, I can do this without God. 
that the blood of Jesus, even though that's what he said in 1 John, that, that I got to advocate. No, I, I, I don't believe just that. I, but look at 1 John 1 9. I got to repent. And when I repent, it makes me right. No, his blood makes you right. Repenting is just a doorway for your mind to get renewed. It is you changing the way you think and saying, I need to head back this other way. But you're still right. But for that right mind to be renewed so you don't fall back into that sin habitually, yeah, you need to repent in that sense of change the way you think. Does that make sense? That's the role of repentance. It's, it's the beginning of me saying, ooh, I need to, there's something right there. I need to, literally, repent means to turn and head the other way. That's wrong. I need to stop cussing. <laughs> I need to head this way. And even if I made that sin, blood of Jesus is still there for me. But if I think that the way I'm going to stay right with God is by me being perfect every single day, I have fallen from grace. Do you know how many Christians there are right now that fit that category and that definition without even knowing it? And it's right there. Did I make that up? Are y'all reading what I'm reading? It's right there in the Bible. But people will say, well, I'm saying right now it's heresy. And that's how deceived a lot of people in the body of Christ are. And that's why they're in bondage. That's why we got to minister this gospel of grace all throughout our great city. It's so that people understand you're being tricked. You're being duped. And you're looking at the grace-based believer as he or she has fallen away from grace. And really, it's you. Because you're trying to work out everything on your own. Let's keep looking at this real quick. Because some of y'all are looking like, oh, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Okay, New Living Translation. Same uh, scripture. Uh, we're just going to stay on verse 4. NLT. It says, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Notice that. It's not saying God doesn't love you, does it? Because peace of Jesus is still available for everybody, even those who are cut off. It's saying your works of trying to be righteous are cutting you off from him. You have fallen away from God's grace. Start hearing this and seeing this for what it is. It's not a punishment. It is the result of a bad decision. It is, it is a result of bad doctrine. It is a result of bad teaching. And it is designed to trap, especially Christians, in a state of not being able to see the manifestation of God's grace in their life. And as a result, that's less people who can go out there and help do what Jesus had told us all to do, which is preach the gospel to every creature. I can't preach the gospel. I'm not even in it. I'm not living it. I don't have the effects of it in my life. So all I can preach is knowledge. Because I can't preach grace because I'm not in it. So you have all these churches popping up just preaching knowledge and nothing is happening for the people. Because it's only by grace are you saved through faith. I'm ready to kick this podium over again up here. So, so, but that's his trick. His trick is to try to keep people out of grace. Keep people out of them grace churches. You don't want to sit there for an hour and a half and listen to that dude talk about this. because of the, and, and this is the truth. This is it. This is what you can take home to the family and the friends and say, listen, I, let me show you something. 
You've been trying to live by the law and you've been trying to live by these works. And, and, and I'm here to tell you because I love you that you're falling away from grace. Yeah, I don't like that grace message. No, you're missing the point. You're falling away from Jesus. You're falling away from Christ. You're talking about you love Jesus, but you don't realize you're the furthest away from him that you've ever been because you're trying to work out stuff on your own. And because I love you, i got to show you this word and so that you can really get back to him by simply believing in what he did. If you understand that, say amen. So what does it mean for Christ to have no effect in my life? Is it sin? No. Nothing, no, it's not that. It's the fact that Jesus indeed healed sinners, so it has nothing to do with sin being an issue. It's simply unbelief. You don't believe in what he did. You don't believe. It's not about your actions, your bad actions. That's what we taught people. You're falling away from grace because you act bad. Where did it say that? It's, it actually it said you're falling away from grace because you're trying to act right without him. That's what it actually means. No effect means to be separated from or not be a part of or out of fellowship of. It's actually talking about physical distance, if you will. Uh, it means to render idle, to unemploy, to inactivate, to make inoperative. That's what you do when you're making Christ of no effect. You're making the blood of Jesus not be able to operate in your life. It's there. Grace is there, but you are walking away from it. Who wants to walk away from the blood of Jesus in the house? Of course, not you, but that's what happens when you try to operate in this thing and make yourself right with God. Another definition of no effect means to cause, to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, to annul, or to abolish. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make Christ of no effect in my life. So if I think and live as if I will be made right with God by self-performance, in line with rules that I find in the law, then I fall from grace. And I am separating myself from fellowship with Christ, rendering what he has done for me to lose its efficiency it loses its influence, and it loses its power in my life. That's what happens when I choose to try to work this out without him. No faith in him means no manifestation of grace, means no action from that in our lives. That ultimately means no supernatural results. You want to know why so many Christians are struggling to get healed? So many Christians are struggling to see a miracle or see God move? I bet you if they look back into their lives, they may find some self-effort. They may try to find some things. I'm, I'm trying to work this out on my own, so I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray for five hours so that I can be healed. Is that what God told you to do? I'm going to go get $20,000, and as a result, I will have all that I need for my new house. Is that what God told you to do? Nothing wrong with prayer. Nothing wrong with giving. I'm going to go read 75 scriptures and write them all over my mirror. Is that what God told you to do? The Holy Spirit will teach you. He will lead you. He will show you things to come. Not my works. 
not what I heard Susie, uh, Sister Susie did up the street. Praise God for her testimony, but what is God telling me to do? The moment we start getting into trying to copy what other people do or finding a method or whatever like that is the moment we start slipping back over into this self-effort. And Jesus is like, I got, I, got, I, got a, I got a simple way for you to do this. But as soon as you're ready, come talk to me. And the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. And, and it'll be something you can do. Well, I'm, I'm on. Can I just be real honest with y'all? My check is $1,800. And I heard of a person who gave their whole check. And so I'm just going to give it. Did God tell you to get that check? Because you know your rent due. Oh, Archie, you're, you're preaching um, doubt and unbelief. No, I'm preaching follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, he tell you to do it. Drop that check in that bucket and watch him move. He don't tell you to do it. You better, he say, I told you get $20. Because that's what you could do. You know you had to pay your rent, pay your car note, and get that baby milk. But, but now you don't got into works, into self-effort, and now we got to help you pay your rent. <laughs> We're going to help you in Jesus' name, even in whatever we got to do. We ain't going to leave you hanging like that. But come on now, we got to stop playing this stuff. And, and all of that, all those works, all that stuff, trying to, trying to do stuff, it's people, we call it playing church and stuff like that. It's, it's people trying to make themselves right. With God trying to earn something that he's already given. And all you got to do is say, Holy Spirit, what's the way out of this? What's the answer? What's the solution? Archie, why? Um, excuse me. Last I checked, Holy Spirit is God. You have all of God living inside you. Did you hear what I said? You got all of the creator. All wisdom. All knowledge. All power. In you right now as a gift that you're not losing you can only walk away from it but even when you walk away from it <laughs> God dog it you still got it all you gotta do is choose to turn around it's right back there because he in you he's not leaving I will never leave you nor forsake you nothing can separate you from the love of God You, you got grace and grace got you. And ain't never letting you go. All you got to do is believe it. All you got to do is receive it. And if you think, it's nothing making you cry, I'm trying to get emotional up here. It, it ain't letting you go. Because he's on the inside of you. And you got everything you need. So don't you let the devil lie to you not another day. Not another night telling you you're not good enough. Telling you you got something else you got to do. Because his goal is to get you to fall away from God's grace. His goal is to get as many believers to fall away from Christ. And then ultimately get you to run from the one who loves you the most. Because now you think I'm not good enough. I better hide like Adam and Eve did. But the good news is God's going to show up. Just like he did with them and said, where are you at? I'm looking for you. Why? Because he still loves you. And he ain't kicking you out. 
He's not removing you from grace. Why? Because of what Jesus did. You are locked in with a forever key. And as soon as somebody can show me otherwise, and it ain't happening, it ain't going to happen because it's not in the Word. We've been using the scripture for years saying this means that you're going to, you can lose your salvation. Not even just read, just read the scripture. Just read what it says. It's when you try to live by the law. And thank God, that's an obsolete covenant. Amen? Father God, I thank and praise you right now for this new covenant of grace, Lord. And I thank you as we walk through this part of this series. Um, it not only helps us in our relationship with you, but even our relationship with our spouses and one another, Father. Uh, we just thank and praise you that while we learn how we are the righteousness of God, we start translating that into our households, <laughs> seeing that our spouse is also the righteousness of God. And if you can forgive them, Lord, then so can we. And so we pray for supernatural forgiveness in every household tonight. I thank you for the Holy Spirit helping us understand as we receive the peace of Jesus in our lives. The assurance that we're saved and all is well with, it, with us with you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and praise. May none of us in this place, may none of nobody on the side of my voice find themselves falling away from your grace for we will trust you. We will never try to be right with you without you. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes from this. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Well, did you get anything out of that tonight? Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to roll into it tomorrow some more. So um, if you're able to make it out on the South Sac, come out and see us. If you're not, hop on YouTube. It'll be live. Uh, 7 o'clock on our YouTube channel, so you'll be able to, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage you, man, if you can't make it out there, don't miss, like, the next part of this. Because people say, oh, I already heard that. Which It comes out differently, I'm telling you. And we get deeper and a little further. The crowd is even a little smaller out there. And so we get even deeper into that thing, and then we're going to get a little deeper into it on this Sunday. But don't miss any part of this. Because it is, man, it, it, it changed. I don't know about you, but it's, it changed me. And I start seeing this, and it frees me, so I don't want you to miss none of it. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, it's time to give. Praise God. So, um, amen. <coughs> if you're giving my text, they're going to pop that up on the screen. Uh, if you need to offer an envelope, go ahead and grab that from in front of the pew. Uh, you know how we give. We give cheerfully here. Um, I believe mature believers so mature believers tithe. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Abraham tithe. Uh, before there was a law, and we tithe to honor God. Uh, we don't tithe because we think God's going to curse us if we don't give. That was in Malachi. That was, uh, first of all, to the um, Israelites, and it was under the old covenant. Before that, indeed, people tithe. Uh, Abraham was proof of that, and they did it simply because they wanted to honor God. So if you're going to give tonight and tithe, feel free to. But don't do it because you think you're going to get cursed if you don't. Amen. If you go, well, you know what, Archie? I'm just going to throw an offering. Hey, do what God's telling you to do. Well, what amount should I do? Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Think about the widow and her mite. Uh, she gave two mites because that's what all she had. And Jesus acknowledged it, saying she gave more than the people who gave a lot in quantity because she gave a seed that trusted him. 
It's, when you give all you got, you're saying, I trust you. But again, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? How many saved folk in the room tonight? You say way better. Yeah, that's everybody in the room. So if you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Ask him what should you do, and then cheerfully do it. And then watch what he does. Where does money go? It goes to take care of everything that this church does, both operationally and ministerially. Is it going to your pocket? Nope. I have a job with the church and all that type of stuff, uh, with World Changers as the missions director and all that type of stuff, and, and, and so does everybody else who's a part of this. And, and the one person that is working here as an employee, she do almost everything. So it ain't going in a bunch of people's pockets. We believe in, uh, and then some people say, well, when is it going to get spent as soon as it come in? Amen. We got a mortgage like everybody else. Did y'all know that we got a mortgage? Yeah, we got to pay for this five and a half acre campus. You want to know what it is? $11,000 a month. And we ain't missed it in six years. Sometimes we double and triple up on it. Amen. Ever walked in here and saw the lights off? Nope. We pay that $2,000 bill every single month. Why are you telling all the church business? Because it's your business. It's your church. Hey, man, one day I'm just going to do that. I'm going to put all the bills right up there so you can see them. It costs us, what, what babe, about $20,000, $22,000 every month to operate this church. And, and, and trust me, that's, that's mostly just all operational costs. That's not, you know, I think team ministry get like 200 <laughs> Children ministry get like 200 That's not all just cookies. That's just, that's just to run physically this campus. But we praise God we haven't ever missed budget. And we never will. Why? Because you cheerfully give. Because you listen to the Holy Spirit. Because nobody's going to make you feel guilty from this pulpit. And you're just going to do what God says. And I'll be doggone if every single week it doesn't come in. Now, I, we're going to be talking about this a little bit on Sunday. Uh, we, got some, we do have some air conditioning. Y'all feel how hot it is outside? It's ridiculous. Um, and in 2020, uh, they got this new air conditioning thing come out where you got to change over to these new systems. We just changed the one out here. Uh, outside open, uh, over, and we got to do the fellowship hall in the um, admin building uh, because they won't even fix your old machines anymore because they have this old Freon in it. Uh, so it was like 15 G's to do that one out there. And we, we did it, made it happen and everything like that. But now we got a few more we got to do. Um, and otherwise, it's just going to be hot in those places. We'll tell you guys about that, and then you do what God tells you to do. And we'll just trust God. So we're going to have to give a little bit more above our normal. Because our normal helps everything operate, but how many guys know when it's something that needs to be fixed? We gotta let y'all know that it's there. I, I, I don't ever want to be the church that doesn't tell you the truth on things, so you can't be a part of making it happen. That 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 would just be pride on our part. So there are certain things that will happen. We'll let y'all know. You do what God tells you to do, and then He'll provide. But I don't ever want you to feel pressure to do anything when it comes to this ministry. I want you to do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, because you want to do it. And that's how you can give cheerfully. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, let's take those gifts and let's raise them up right now. If it's your phone, you can raise it up. Father God, we just thank and praise you right now for the seed that we're sowing. We call this good ground that we're sowing into, and we call this a cheerful seed. And we just give you the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes as a result of what we're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your uh, personal Lord and Savior, uh, if you're not saved and you got a chance tonight to get saved, I think everybody is tonight, but in case we missed you, you can be saved. Uh, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can get that grace gift on tonight. And last but not least, if you are looking for a 
good church home. I can't think of any other place, uh, any better place than this. If this is where God called you to, uh, then you need to get here and be a part of the vision of what God is doing here. As we are hooked up with our man and woman of God, Dr. Don and Pastor Taffy, we're excited about the gospel of grace being preached all over this world. So if you want to make this your church home tonight, you can make that happen tonight as well. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. Let's go ahead and minister to those who are nearest to us. Ask them if they need prayer for salvation, if they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if they want to join the church. If they would say yes on any one of those things, you can quickly help them come down to the front. Let's minister to those who are around us right now. And if you're good, then we're going to go ahead and close out. Everybody moving? Everybody good? Amen. If you're good, give me a thumbs up. All right. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. It's all family in the house. Praise God. All right, so don't forget, tomorrow night, come join us or join us online, and then we'll be right back here on Sunday, um, diving into, I guess, probably part four of this, uh, this message. So let's raise our hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the peace of Jesus being available in our lives. Now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the Almighty God. To him, Jesus, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Father, we thank you that we leave this place with grace all over our lives. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.